As a listener of the Shift Your Consciousness podcast presented by Marcus White and Jordan Briggs, we would like you to understand that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Any changes to your supplementation, nutrition or lifestyle should only be done after consulting with a medical professional. Welcome to the Shift Your Consciousness podcast. My name is Marcus White. And my name is Jordan Briggs. We help people overcome a range of chronic and acute health issues and empower people to live a healthy, fulfilling life. Our mission in this podcast is to bring oppressed and current relevant information from all realms of health that you most likely don't know to empower new possibilities in your health journey. We want to help free your mind of the indoctrination of the mainstream medical system, media and societal dogma that disempowers your ability to heal, grow and live a connected life. If you're someone who is feeling trapped in your journey, not getting answers, but also equally fascinated in learning how to address the root cause to your health issues and is also open-minded to all mediums of health, this podcast is for you. So come join us to shift your consciousness. We're back to... oh. Mm, I think I stuffed that one up. <laughs> We're back for another episode of Shift Your Continent. Oh, my Lord, what a start. We're back for another episode <laughs> of Shift Your Consciousness. And today we're going to talk about <laughs> upper gastrointestinal uh, symptoms or dysfunctions, right? Aren't we, Jordan? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll go through all the realms and all the different dysfunctions. What do you think about yep. start there? Did you think I went all right? Or? Oh, you were you're so on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're always uh, nailing the start, aren't we? Oh, fuck. The amount of grubs we'll be able to get at the oh, end no. of the year from bloopers. Oh, no. It's not, not easy podcasting. People think it's just, you know, jump, grab a microphone. You've got to get your words together. You've got to be able to listen to people for two hours straight. It's not easy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, it's good, man. I'm, I'm keen to uh, get into this upper GI thing because I think it's something that often isn't spoken about a lot. Like, I feel like. You know, a lot of people are talking about SIBO and bacterial yeah. overgrowth and like leaky gut and stuff like that, but there isn't a whole lot of info or I think decent, like good info too and accurate info like on, on like upper GI issues, especially things like around like H. pylori and yeah. and those sort of things that will go through low stomach acid um, and, you know, all the different sort of, of kind of depths of things that will go into there. So, yeah, so yeah, where should we start? I know, I know that you've, you've had some upper GI issues and you've struggled with it. I have, yeah, yeah. So, look, you know, the upper GI symptoms, like uh, the big ones are like, you know, indigestion, um, you'll get like uh, acid reflux, you might like feel like you get like these little burps that come up or they feel like a little bit like they're hiccups. You might get like bloating up up, up high around the rib cage. that's sort of where the stomach is. Um, so, yeah, they're the sorts of symptoms, but there's, there's obviously a lot of different players to this. Um, and mm. we go through a few of them. The first thing I, I actually want to start with, George, is, is the basics. Like, so your yeah. stomach is extremely acidic and it's meant to be because it needs to break down protein. It's the first sort of, um, I suppose it's not the first stop. It is sort of the first stop for your food as you as you swallow, where we want it very yeah. acidic so we can break down um, molecules into smaller molecules, so proteins into smaller chains of amino acids, so that we can absorb them easier in the small intestine mm. where we get ninety percent of our absorption. So it needs to be extremely yeah. acidic. Now, if the body needs to for it to be in an acidic state. The body needs to um, be in a rest and digest state. If it's in yeah. a stress or fight or flight 
um, response. It is not prioritizing digestion or making stomach acid to break down food. So a good mm. example of this is I'm getting chased by a lion. Yeah. Mm. The last thing my body's thinking about is eating a meal. It's thinking, get yeah. out of there. Yeah. So it's yeah. giving me brain chemistry. It's giving me stress hormones so that I can think my best. I can perform my best to get out of that an initial danger. But for yes. someone like you and I, Jord, we sit at a desk, we're on our computer. That's our fight mm. or flight. You know what I mean? We're, yeah, we're that's way right. or we're, we're talking like right now, like we're, we're switched on, we're in fight or flight. The last thing my body wants to do right now is produce stomach acid to then eat a meal. Okay. So what a big one I like to talk to people about is just getting the basics right before you even start eating. Okay. So mm. first things first and you jump in, I'll, I'll, you know, the first thing I'll, I'll say is like, we want to get ourselves into a parasympathetic state before we eat. Okay, so even just yes. five deep nasal breaths, um, and then what that what we can do is pair that with actually smelling the food, because the smelling mm. the food creates saliva and salivary enzymes in your mouth. It starts to you know it starts your body to that process of making pancreatic enzymes or making stomach acid, preparing for the meal to come in, and then a bit yes. next, the next part is going to be actually chewing your food properly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's a step. There's a step before that as well. You can hum to activate your brain stem as well. Yep. So that's so another vagus, one as well. Yeah, vagal vagus Yep. Um, and yep. mate, I think I'd love to know if you were similar to me, but I reckon I used to chew my food about five times before swallowing. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, no, I was probably three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I was eating it whole. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I, I used to be just. I used to be like a, you know, I'd, I'd come in, I'd come into my like first or second, third meal of the day and I, cause I'd be starving. I'd always just be hungry. So I'd be moving a lot throughout the day, whether it'd be like, cause I was um, training people or whether I was just a young, a young buck that was, you know, growing and, and I would just, I'd just scoff my food. Yeah. Scoff, scoff, scoff. And there was no reason, there was no wonder why I ended up having a bacterial overgrowth in my, you know, like, like SIBO and SIFO issues later on because of that but um yeah but yeah yeah for sure man yeah yeah and mate i like i was the same and everyone used to say to me mate you're gonna get indigestion you're gonna get heartburn i'm like shut up shut up but yeah anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll go into my stories i got to um and you know there's a there's a few different players that, um that i've sort of figured out here um but i got into my early to mid 20s and my reflux was so bad that I'd sometimes like throw up. It was that acidic coming Whoa. up from my esophagus. I was like, oh, geez, this is terrible. Now, what, like, there was a few different things that popped up for me. So I was like, I was like, this is so bad. And I was, I wasn't in that, like, I was, I thought I was healthy, but I wasn't a health coach and I wasn't at the education I was at now. So my first stop, like everyone else, is I've got terrible reflux. I'm going to the doctors. The doctors will give me a medication to help with the reflux. Um, so I've gone into the doctors and my experience with the doctors as a kid was you're sick, you get antibiotics, you have them for two weeks, you get better, you're done. Yeah. Like I, I, mm. I'd never known about having a medication for a long period of time. So anyway, I've got this script for, um, protein pump inhibitors. So what protein pump inhibitors are going to do is they're going to pretty much shut off the stomach acid. So, what they do is is they pretty much stop histamine buildup in the stomach so that you can't actually make stomach acid, 
Okay. Now yep. do it further, but you need histamine to create stomach acid. But anyway, so the protein mum inhibitors stop all acid in your stomach. Okay. Then you um, obviously for someone who's got terrible reflux, works a treat. You feel great. You're like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. It goes for a month, ran out. You know, I thought, oh, that's it. I fixed it. And then it came back worse. I was like, oh, my God, terrible. So I went back to the doctor and I said, hang on a second, this is this is worse than it was before. And he said, oh, you've got to keep having them. And he tried to give me another script. And I was, oh, like, God. I was like, I'm not doing that. Anyway, I yeah. – um, what I did was is I, I was like, oh, I'm going to go and try and figure this out for myself. So I started looking yep. up a lot of the different things that were going on um, and that could be causing the acid issues, and there's a few big ones. So big one of the big ones is high histamine, okay? Now, if you've got um, high histamine, you're going to create more stomach acid, so you're going to get more acid reflux coming up the esophagus. Okay. Yeah. The other one is the possibility is low stomach acid. Mm. Now, I'm going to end up having both because what happened with me is is because I had the I had the high histamine because how I knew this is I I sort of took out like high histamine foods and drinks and it went away. So I took out alcohol, wow. took out coffee. Like obviously these can be acidic anyway, but like that like and I took out other um, high histamine foods. Uh, tomato, like fermented tomato. foods. Yeah, tomato, fermented foods, yeah. tomato, those sorts of things. All good. Yeah. So I sort yeah. of and I was like, oh, I've done I've done pretty well here. But then it would pop up with different things now. Now what I what I came to realize was that month that I shut off stomach acid, what people don't know is stomach acid is the natural antimicrobial in your stomach and that protects mm. you from my, microbes going from maybe your mouth or from your stomach into your small intestine. Now, if yeah. you have- It's your first line of defense. It's it's, a, it's your first line of defense. It's going to kill off parasites. And so when I tell people to go to Bali or something like that, I'm telling them to take HCL, take it with your meals. because yep. And then that's and that's that's how you can actually prevent getting a parasite infection. So yeah, first line of defense. It's, it's really yeah. important. Anyway, go on. Yeah. No, nah, you're all right, mate. I'll, I'll finish up my story soon <laughs> so we can uh, <laughs> converse. Um, so- you can imagine I've, I've created this low stomach acid environment and that is perfect yeah. for an infection in the stomach called H. pylori to uh, proliferate. <laughs> so yeah. what's happened from there is the reason it's got worse is because I've gone from a high histamine, oh, histamine issue to now low stomach acid and H. pylori overgrowth and then H. pylori itself burrows into what we call the per, uh, peridial cells in the stomach lining, and then it sort of alkalizes your stomach acid so that it can survive because it doesn't want it to be too acidic in your stomach. Yeah, releases an enzyme called urease, Yeah, yep. to, and it, then it alkalizes the, the stomach environment, as you said, to, to survive. It's a pro-survival thing. So, yeah. so this is where a lot of the misconceptions are with H. pylori is that like doctors will put people on PPIs to, to deal with it. And yes, that may have a place if you've got stomach ulcers and gastritis because stomach acid is going to irritate those things. We'll go deeper. Um, but, but we'll go deeper into it, yeah. But like the the whole thing of um, reducing your stomach acid to kill a H. pylori infection is, is wild. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot yeah. of the time what they do is is they um, – it'll be protein pump inhibitors and antibiotics. But – yeah. Right, as you, as we know, and our listeners need to know, if the environment is not fixed, 
yeah, that overgrowth will just happen again. Yeah, so mm. if, you, if you have chronic low stomach acid, you're just asking for a H. pylori infection. Yeah. I'd, lo- I'd love to go into some of the Vegas stuff again too, man, because yeah, like, that's where you started. Yep. was like, like obviously you, you can have like, you know, just general day-to-day stresses. You yep. can obviously have emotional stresses and trauma. Like I, I noticed that um, also like this is actually cycling away from Vegas a little bit, but kind of is along those lines is people that just have a lot of blocked emotions in their body. So like with, with like um, low stomach acid, a lot of the emotions of things like anger, overwhelm, low self-worth affects the solar plexus, which is where your stomach is. So I always notice that people have, that have these like, like chronic low, low stomach acid issues, like they keep the struggles to kind of, you know, fix is they tend to have these kind of emotional things going on as well. So that's one thing. And so one of the big wounds is actually like a rejection wound because that leads to like a low self-worth piece to your authentic self. So that, that's something that I, uh, that, that I notice a lot with low stomach acid clients and something also that I think is worth to note is even upper cervical and vagal issues um, that can be kind of caused from like occiput or TMJ sort of compression. Mm-hmm. And so you, you also want to be equally like focusing on up, even upstream further from the stomach sometimes. People that have these TMJ issues, upper cervical issues, which could be from a, you know, maybe a car accident that they've been in or it could be even the way they sleep on their pillow, they, they, they sleep twisted um, on their stomach or it could be that they just, um, yeah, they could have maybe even had a concussion like in sport, like anything like that. You know, it's, it's worth noting that sometimes like you can do all the, all the work downstream with supplements or even meditation and stuff. But if you've got a, if you've got issues with your upper cervical and TMJ, which you would want to see like a good chiro to address, so a good chiropractor or maybe a good osteo, um, yeah, you, 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 your chances of things improving might be pretty, like you know, might be slim. It might improve at times, but then you might relapse. You know, so that's something to to note too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mate, like uh, it's it's really important to talk about like because also there, there's that, but you also went into the vagal stuff and, and you know, we talk about like stress and stuff. Like your body will not like create stomach acid, will not um, operate, the vagus nerve will not operate. And this is one thing I noticed which is extremely interesting. When I yeah. have football training, I have football training at night, then I've got to come home and eat dinner. So say I've just done an hour and a half, two-hour football training session. And I've got to come home yep. and have dinner before I go to bed. It's not ideal. Okay. I struggle to swallow my food. Okay. Now, wow. Yeah. And I put that down to my body's under stress. Yeah. It's just done an hour and a half training session. It's extremely stressed. It's not, hasn't calmed down. I've come, then I've come home. Um, and then I'm trying to eat a meal before I go to bed. It's, it's not the ideal situation. It's just the way it is for me at the moment. But I notice mm. that my vagal, my va- like and your vagus nerve will affect your ability to swallow food. Um, it'll affect motility of how food moves through your gastrointestinal system. So it's just interesting for me to observe that because then you're like you, you'll also hear people talk about they might they might struggle to swallow or they might struggle um, with motility issues. And it's really important to understand the vagus nerve has a massive impact on that, and overall stress mm-hmm. has a massive impact on that. And overall stress doesn't just mean emotional stress; it can be just that you're training too much. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, so I just yeah. To- so stress and all f- so yeah, yeah, exactly. Like physical stress can come in so many forms, right? Like what I just said there, the upper cervical. It could be yeah that you just overtraining 
or you're under recovering or, or doing it yeah, all. Yeah. So yeah, doing it all. Yeah, it could be all happening, which is actually what was happening with me with my health issues. I had all that stuff going on. So so yeah, um, you know, including the emotional stuff. <laughs> so and we all so yeah. That. So yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. So what what about like let's like if we stay just on the basics of low stomach acid, what about like the um the cofactors? Like we need the building blocks, right, to make to make stomach acid. It's not just about vagus nerve. Like you obviously need the nutrients to also make it too. So yeah. you know, that magically show up, right? So Yeah. So, so yeah, maybe um, we can talk into that. Well, one big thing I want to talk about is the uh the zinc stomach acid cycle. So mm. this is so there's a really hard cycle with this because you need zinc to create stomach acid, but you need stomach acid to absorb zinc. So you can get stuck mm. in this terrible cycle where like you've got low stomach acid, so you're struggling to absorb zinc, but you can't make stomach acid if you're not uptaking zinc properly. So that, mm. obviously that needs, you know, we would go into supporting that. But like other um, nutrients needed, one thing that people don't realise, you need sodium to create stomach acid. You know, oh, like, I don't know yeah. if I knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah you need yeah. sodium for stomach acid, um, B6 for stomach acid. Um, Vitamin E. Yep. Zinc, histamine. Yeah. yeah, histamine or histidine. <laughs> yeah, histidine, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You've, I think you've nailed them all. Is there an Yeah, I think that's it. Honest? Is it glycine? Don't quote me on I'm that. I'm not sure. Don't yeah, I think, I think they're the main cofactors that I know about. Yeah. 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 And vitamin yeah. A can be one that people are very low in. Like how often would people be eating um, seeds know, and stuff? Or also and, and, just oils. duck or goose fat? Yep. You know what I mean? That's mm. a source of vitamin E is duck and goose fat. So put those on your potatoes mm. rather than olive oil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So obviously there's nutrients that we need to make stomach acid. Okay. So if we go back from that, we need to yeah. make sure we're not in a um, stressed state. We also need to make sure that like physically, like, you know, looking at like the TMJ joint, making sure that things are aligned the way we're sleeping. Um, we need to make sure that we're not overtraining, Um and then did I already just mention emotional stress? Emo, 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 emotions as well, blocked emotions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think, and then, and then the way we eat and the way we like our eating practices. Yep. yep. Chewing our food. Yep. Um, so you want to chew your food yep. until it's into a nice pace. So I always say with people with meat, a lot of the time it's like 30 to 40 chews per bite if it's, you know, if it's a steak. And, uh, I reckon 1% of the population is doing that. <laughs> I still struggle to do it. It's such a work in progress. Yeah, same. It's, it's, it's my – and yeah, I say yeah. to every client, I'm like, this is the hardest thing. This is the hardest thing for me to get get right, and I'm constantly working on it. And I like every bite I have, I'm like, far out. That wasn't many chews. What are you doing? <laughs> Next one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure don't, – don't quote me on this, but I think like um, there's, a, there's a, like a saying that Native Americans say, like you'll, you, you, you'll get sick if you, if you wear shoes and if you don't chew your food down to a paste. There yeah, you go. yeah. They, 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 like. I heard that along the line somewhere. I'm not sure how true that is, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it doesn't surprise me. Um, no, that's right. So, but yeah, so like, if I circle back around, you know, if you if you have a low like low stomach acid, then you can get this this infection called H. pylori, um, and H. pylori is going to create chronic low stomach acid. Okay, and and generally. I think it's around seventy percent of the population have a H. pylori overgrowth, Jordan. I think that's the stats. 
It's it's a like it's a it's a common. I think it's I think seventy percent of the population have it, or maybe an overgrowth. Yeah, it's one well, of the two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's part of a normal ecology. Um, so it yeah. should be eradicated from the human body. It's similar to candida. It's similar to you know certain bacterial strains. It's it's the overgrowth um, that creates the pathogenic um, nature of it. Yeah, the virulence factors. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. That's what that's what makes it nasty. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's so like, it's about a lot of people, we need to make sure when we talk about like bacteria and fungus and stuff like that. And we talk about getting rid of it. We're rebalancing them. We're not, we're not eradicating. Yeah. We're trying to rebalance the, the, the ratios that these bacteria and fungus are in within our system. But, um, a big thing then going forward from that is, George, is we just touched on it is the environment that, is in the stomach. Now you touched on it a little bit more is like, we can get damage to the actual stomach lining, like like we can mm. get damage to these things called the parietal cells. So they're like the epithelial cells in the stomach that release stomach acid. And they also mm. release something called intrinsic factor. And intrinsic yeah. factor binds to B12 for it to be absorbed in the small intestine. Um, now, obviously if we get, if we damage this with our lifestyle, with overstressed, terrible food, then we're affecting our ability to make stomach acid or release it from the parietal cells. Then obviously as, as it gets even further damaged, you talked about it, George, we can get gastritis. Now, mm, gastritis is pretty much- yeah. sort of And ulcers. Ulcers is even yep. further along the line. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's yeah. a really good one, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much where we've sort of stripped the mucosal layer of that, of that stomach lining. And this is where it gets really tough is that all of a sudden if you've stripped that lining- that's the protective mechanism against like the the bottom layers for acid. So actual acid is going to be really really um, problematic Aggravating. for people. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But then all of a sudden, um, for these people, we've got to we've sort of actually got to go down a more lower protein, lower um, lower stomach acid protocol, and be able to try and heal that mucosal lining using things that are easier for them to digest. Yeah, yeah. Some of these people with gastritis or ulcers, I've got them on like li liquid diet sometimes initially until it calms down. Yeah, and then you you know you might be dosing things like glutamine or, um, you know, you know even things like DGL and aloe vera and things like that just to get get it to calm down a bit. Yeah, yeah. Even BPC is fantastic for gastritis because B BPC, yeah, BPC one five seven is actually made in your stomach acid. So correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's really good. But, yeah, keep going with that, George, because, like, I'd love to hear what you do. Um, if we can go into it further, like, what's your sort of um, angle when you've got someone who comes in to you with um, upper GI issues? Maybe they've got um, – what, what are the things you're looking for, I suppose, to um, sort of pick out what's going on within their, with their gastrointestinal tract? You might um, the the uh, the low stomach acid test is a good place to start. So yep. we do like um, like a I think it's a oh, I've got to look at my notes, but I think it's a half a teaspoon of bicarb soda, and then you're waiting two minutes to see if there's any sort of burping response. Mm -hmm. And if there's a burping response, that's basically stomach acid and bicarb like making kind of like a chemical reaction. Yep. And if it happens under the two minutes, like it means that there's sufficient amounts of stomach acid. If it doesn't, it means that there's basically nothing going on in there. Yeah. And you've got to do that on an yeah. empty stomach, don't you? Like first thing in empty the morning. Stom empty stomach first thing in the morning, yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah. I, I, like if, if someone's got reflux or um, these sort of things, that, that'll give you a bit of a gauge because if it's coming from a histamine response, well then, well then, realistically, that they're probably going to be burping. Or, you know, like it's going to happen really fast, right? So then that'll give us an indication that there's probably an infection in their body that's that's ramping up histamine. Mm-hmm. So it can give you just a bit of a, an accurate understanding of where to start. I also typically, if it's been quite chronic, I'll just get them to do a H. pylori test as well. To be honest, that's yeah. the standard protocol for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just um, a bit skeptical on the uh, breath test. The breath test, yeah, I know. Well, the, like all testing has its limitations, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, because even the blood test is an antibody test, which they're testing in your blood. Like, you know, that could have its its, its limitations at times as well. Yeah, well, yeah. Like you've got to have mounted an immune response to it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and then <laughs> you haven't. And then you've got the GI map, but then the GI map has to pick it up. <laughs> Well, it's got to come all the way yeah. to the large intestine from the stomach. Yeah, you know? Stomach, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's there's it always limitations, I think. But um, yeah. But you know, typically, if like if if um, if like with the breath test, like because that that's um, more of a urea breath test that one because uh, urea is a byproduct of H. pylori. I'll if if that's high, I'll I'll typically go well, yeah. Well, let's let's throw in some mastic gum. Let's let's throw in um, maybe some bismuth and just see if let's see if it gets better. Yeah, yeah, like the symptoms and okay. and um, and you'll know within a week. You yeah, know, within a week, like if, if things don't unimproving, well, you're not on the right track. So so yeah, that that's one thing. But yeah, yeah, starting there, I think is good. Like seeing whether it's just um, low stomach acid. Cool. Okay, is the low stomach acid coming from you know stress? Is this person just carrying a shit ton of emotion? Are they have they got up t- like like where is this coming from? And yep. you screen that in your pro in your screening process. But then if it starts to go, oh yeah, like I you know maybe got a gut bug or you know or um you know I was traveling and then all of a sudden I just went downhill. I, like you know getting this information, you might go okay, well maybe there's H pylori, so you'll test. So so that's 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 the drive of that. But if it's a histamine, more of a high histamine issue, that's causing the kind of like the reflux or esophageal sort of refluxy sort of uh, symptoms, which can be driven from things like parasites, even mold. Um, uh, you might even find even potentially like really even just like pathogenic bacteria contribute histamine as well. So, oh. so yeah. So, you know, you, that's where you want to go after the infections mm. and start dealing with that. Yeah. yeah. So that's, then, that's typically how I go about it, yeah. Yeah, and then you like, and then obviously, um, you put a fair bit in, um, like I would, and I'm sure you do too. Is put a lot of emphasis on healing the structure. So, oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. So some some good things like I know curcumin is really good around the parietal cells. Um, yep. Yeah, obviously healing any sort of mucosal barrier colostrum is fantastic. Um, if someone's yep. got like gastritis, that's going to be really good around that. And we talked about like BPC. One five seven is going to be fantastic for trying to heal that, heal the stomach lining, and then like mm. nutrition wise, you know, like the hard thing is, and this is you know you got to go person by person, is that protein mm. is going to be the hardest thing for people to break down if they got low stomach acid. And this is actually I want to segue into this jaw because you know what, a lot of <laughs> a lot of people who end up vegan if it's not ethical reasons. Most likely yeah. low stomach acid, and they feel really sluggish when they eat meat, so they think they're not meant to eat meat. Mm. And, and 
that's a big, big thing for me when I hear pet, like people come to me and they're vegetarian. I'm like, why are you, veg- are you vegetarian? Because, you know, you, it's, uh, you know, from activism. I might be like, no, nah, I just don't, you know, I don't feel terrible when I eat meat. And I'll be like, my first thing mm. that comes to my brain is I'm like, you're most likely probably dealing with low stomach acid. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And, um, and that's where a lot of these individuals are experiencing like upper GI sort of bloating. Yeah, they'll feel, and it's almost like food just isn't moving; it's just yeah. sitting there, and they just like they, they'll just have to lay down at like night just because it's like, oh my god, it's so uncomfortable. Um, so that that is a absolute telltale sign of low stomach acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so blatantly obvious. Um, yeah. and and you know, and these individuals are going to be burping probably a lot as well, like indigestion sort of symptoms, and they might even have like halostosis, like really like like stinky breath yeah. as well. That's that's another another thing that can happen with those sort of um, individuals as well. Yeah, um, and and, yeah. and obviously with the if if it's someone who's further down like the um, gastritis, you may may have to go on a low protein diet, um, like Jordan said. Yeah, might be like a more of a liquid based diet, um, just while you calm things down, get a little bit of repair done so that you can then actually take on some stomach acid and then start to take on these harder food, these foods that are a little bit harder to digest. Yeah. And if you're equally also getting histamine responses that are then ramping up your stomach acid and aggravating the stomach lining more, you know, we, we might, we might need to put in some things that help metabolize histamine or even calm down the stomach acid a little bit like bicarb soda, yep. or we might need to use DAO or, Sammy, like things like that, just to help with the metabolization of histamine. So, um, what, yeah, whilst you're also maybe going after the infection as well, which, like, yeah, so, yeah, it's a good one, mate. You just mentioned something really good that baby people don't know is a really good natural. If you're someone who's just like, you know, you know, you need to fix your stomach acid issues and you're getting reflux, a really good way to instead of using like protein pump inhibitors is using bicarb soda in a little bit of water. Um, so that'll just mm. neutralize stomach acid so that it's not causing any sort of reflux. You might, you might feel a little bit bloated you know, at that. It, it just alkalizes the environment. Yeah. yeah. So what I, I want so. people to be uh, know that they can use that as a tool mm. rather than going for these pump, protein pump inhibitors or the quickies or anything like this, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. well, the cool thing is you're not fucking with the receptors in the, in the stomach lining. You're just alkalizing the environment like from more of an acute angle, not yeah. like using using like drugs that literally like literally are designed to switch off certain receptors so yeah, exactly yeah, which right. is way more damaging yeah so it's not, it's not a long-term solution but it's something that can get you out of that acute issues without taking anything that's going to hurt you even further yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah no that's good and like um yeah one of the other things that i wanted to cycle back to as well with h pylori is like sometimes depending on whether you've got gastritis or stomach ulcers you don't want to be supporting your stomach acid in that regard but i like to use something like apex prozyme okay which like is really good really good at like like supporting um you know stomach acid production but it's also got a bit of hcl in there and it's got some herbs in there that stimulate gastric juices um it's got like b6 in it and things like that so that that with something like a zinc l-carnosine that obviously helps the stomach acid as well and even starts to even repair the stomach lining and then you use something like DGL, which also drives TH1. Yep. Maybe just initially doing that whilst you're repairing the environment mm-hmm. before you go into antimicrobials with H. polar, I think is a great protocol. 
Yeah. Because like, because you're you're supporting the immune system a little bit, but you're also soothing. Because DJL is great for soothing, like sort of starting to kind of like soothe the, the like mucosal barrier, such that re- reduce the inflammation a little bit. Like as a little well. bit of aloe vera in that as well, Jordan. Aloe vera as well, yeah. Like glutamine, BPC, maybe. And then, you know, you're getting a bit of immune immune drive there from both the stomach acid and also the DGL. And then you might go into something like bismuth, berberine, mastic gum, stuff like that. That's, that's yeah. what I notice. That's, that's yeah. what I typically find a lot of results with, yeah. Love that, so, man. Yeah. So yeah. if we wrap this up, you know, a lot of the time for people, they need to understand there's mechanistically why you might have stomach acid issues, which comes down to um, – the way you're presenting to your to your meal, like are you stressed out? Are you in a sympathetic state? Are you in fight or flight? Are you chewing your food properly? Are you creating enough saliva and stomach acid before your meal even starts? Then the second thing comes into it, have you, uh, are you getting stomach acid issues or reflux because you've got histamine issues and histamine is driving too much stomach acid? Uh, the other thing you mm. could be getting is low stomach acid um, and with low stomach acid, you could be having an, an infection called... Um, H. pylori. So we need to be able to, like Geordie said, soothe the stomach lining, rebuild the stomach lining. We actually need to make sure we're getting, giving you the nutrients to actually make stomach acid properly. We also need to look into repressed emotions, um, what sort of stress you're under, your TMJ joint, like what like physically um, is going on mechanistically that could be affecting stomach acid also. Have I missed anything there, Jordan? Yeah, upper cervical and TMJ, just so they go together. But um, did I say TMJ? Yeah, that's I'll that's something else. No, he said TMJ, but just yeah. upper cervical as well. Yeah, yep. um, yep. and any brainstem sort of stuff, and then yeah, like your eating practices really important, and then just getting get, it's just understanding where your like where these upper GI symptoms are coming from. Is it coming from uh, a, a, a high histamine response from infections that could be just in the body, or is it coming from and just the inability to metabolize histamine? which can be like gene S&Ps there. They can be just sluggish detox pathways. And then and you know, whether that's in the small intestine or the liver. Um, and then w- whether as well or, or whether it's just actually low stomach acid, which then you've got to work out whether it's H. pylori or some of these more vagus nerve issues or nutrient deficiencies or, you know, these type of things or poor eating practices or, or vegan diets or, yeah. So I think that kind of summarizes it. One yep. thing that I just wanted to finish on is – one of the telltale signs in your blood work, guys, when you're doing your blood work to know that you have stomach acid issues is elevated globulin. Yeah. Low albumin can, can like usually this, like this combo, all of these things together. So high globulin, which can be anywhere uh, from, I, I work off the range 24 to 28. So if it's above 28, could be, could be low stomach acid. I also look, look at low albumin, which I go, I go between 40 and 50. Um, the combination of that with, um, low ALP, so 70, between 70 and hundred, so b- below 70, I work off, um, ALP is obviously a zinc dependent, um, uh, uh, liver enzyme. So you need zinc to make it, um, low stomach acid will typically cause a zinc deficiency. High MCV may play into it, 80, 82 to 89. Um, so B12 intrinsic factor, we spoke about that. And I usually look at iron as well, cause you're not breaking down proteins very well. That's typical. What I've, maybe low creatinine, maybe. Um, but yeah, like what do you, what is it? Would you have anything else to add to that? Uh, no, I wouldn't actually. 
but my major ones I look at is ALP and MCV, um, and they're the yep. things that pop up for me straight away. Um, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't think I've got anything else on the top of my head. Low stomach acid. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll chuck in like the serum folate or serum B12 as well. Um, oh, yep. Yeah. So I'll yep. chuck those in there as well. Um, I'm just trying to think because oh, some of them I get mixed up with my H. pylori markers too. So no, I won't, I won't say any more. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to go into it. We don't need to go to H. pylori markers. No. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool. Beautiful. Awesome. Hope, so, hope you got heaps out of that, guys. I'll, um, we'll, we'll see you next week for another episode. Yeah, awesome. See ya. Thanks for listening. We hope this opened your mind to new possibilities in your journey. If you want to follow on for more, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Life Athlete Health and at Coach Jordan Briggs. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you next time.